Participate, engage, speak out, use your voice to be an effective advocate. The Voices in Advocacy podcast examines the diverse landscape of advocacy, exploring the ins and outs of building influence, driving change, and creating champion advocates. It's now time for the Voices in Advocacy podcast with your host, Roger Rickard. Hello and welcome to the Voices in Advocacy podcast. I'm Roger Rickard, president and founder of Voices in Advocacy, where we work with organizations to inspire, educate, engage, and activate your supporters by turning them into effective, influential advocates. And this is the podcast dedicated to the art of advocacy. This podcast is for the people that work and engage in advocacy efforts for their organizations, be they corporations, associations, trade organizations, and nonprofit cause groups. If you're one of the people that work to build grassroots advocacy and grow your community of advocates, then you are in the right place. Now, let's get started. In today's episode, we speak with Brett Scott, Vice President of Government Affairs to the National Independent Automobile Dealers Association, which helps quality independent automotive dealers through advocacy, education, and promotion. Now, with multiple years of Hill and private sector experience, Brett comes to the independent dealers as the new Vice President of Government Affairs. He most recently served in the Department of Transportation's Office of Government Affairs under Transportation Secretary Elena Chow. Prior to his work with DOT, Brett served as the Director of Government Affairs for the Cruise Lines International Association, which represents a majority of the cruise industry around the world. And finally, and most importantly, Brett is a fellow Nittany Lion from the Pennsylvania State University, uh, where he was a star lacrosse player. So if you didn't know that, there's a little update for you. Brett, thank you and welcome to today's show. Glad to be here, Roger. Thank you for, for having me on the podcast. I'm excited about this. So the independent dealers, the independent auto dealers, uh, what are your priorities in this 117th Congress? So I think a majority of our priorities are to make sure, you know, writ large that our voice is heard in the, you know, to, Hill, to the Hill and regulatory agencies that, you know, even through the pandemic and everything, we are here to be supportive to the local communities. You know, we are the quintessential small business. Um, and when an infrastructure package is, is being discussed in negotiations, I think, you know, the, the bigger question is how to pay for it. And if it's going to be raising corporate taxes on, on those making a certain amount of money, those hit, you know, that, that affects our members. And so that's just, you know, one of the issues that, as well as, you know, regulatory agencies, uh, FTC and the CFPB and their guidance and um, debt collection issues and stuff like that are just some of the top priorities that we're facing right now. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because people don't think of the kind of the trickle down economics that affect people when we just arbitrarily say, hey, pay for it over here. <laughs> as long as it's someone else's pocket we're picking, I'm okay with that. But we don't look at the long-term ramifications of that. 
so that's important, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, a lot of our members are, like I said, the, the quintessential small business where you have five, three to 10 employees, right? And a lot of their, you know, their business is tied into their personal bottom line. And so if, you know, though, though their companies are getting taxed, it affects that person, you know, that person's personal wallet. Um, and so that's an issue we're trying to, to voice up on the Hill is yes. Uh, you know, if these, if tax increases is, is a conversation, well, let's, let's get into the nitty gritty and the weeds of it. You know, there are small businesses like my members that can belly up if these do go into effect. Yeah, uh, no question about it. And you have about, what, 20,000 members, I think I, I saw somewhere? So it ranges. Um, you know, as of right now, I think we have about a little over 14,000. Um, okay. Like I said, that can vary from the mom and pop um, dealer on the corner where that sells five cars a month. That can range from, you know, a larger uh, dealer that sells, you know, 30 cars a month. I mean, it's our, our membership's so broad and that's, that's been a great thing going up on the Hill is because you can touch on so many bases. That's right. And they're in the community. Exactly. And that's, and, a, that's a really key component for you, isn't it? Yes. When we were, when we were able to become a critical, um, you know, part of the CISA guidelines for a critical employer, um, you know, we took that very seriously because people were coming to us uh, in our local communities and, and saying, listen, I, I just got laid off at a restaurant or I just got laid off somewhere else. And, you know, I need a, some sort of reliable, safe mode of transportation to get me out to, you know, further out in the suburbs where maybe public transportation did, couldn't, you know, reach. And, we were there, you know, holding their hands and making sure that they were able to get to their employer, wherever it was, safely and reliable. Yeah. And, and to go out and find new jobs at, exactly. at, as well. So how do you use these members then to advocate for these issues? Uh, I, I see, I think in October, you have a, a policy conference scheduled, but is there any other ways that you use them kind of throughout the year to engage? Yeah. And we've, we have multiple platforms, you know, but I think the, the most influential is the grassroots, right? And when you're able to have smaller members, uh, you know, those members that have three to five, three to 10 employers uh, go into their, their, you know, their state office of a Senator or, or the representative and say, listen, you know, this is what's affecting us in, in DC. And we're the only, you know, dealer that's in this 15 mile radius that is helping the community that's employing three to five, seven or employees, you know, it's, it will affect us significantly. And they, they respond positively to that. And then we use that to snowball into the larger grand scheme of things. So to your point, our national policy conference, um, we will, we're having it um, in 2022, but, you know, we're having events now where we're just touching base with 
with members of Congress and senators where we have a large contingency, where we have you know a large membership base that say, listen, you know what's going on in D.C. is going to affect two thousand of our members in in Missouri or twenty five hundred members in Virginia or you know, if then you, if you want to break that down further, you can say in District 4 of Virginia, it's going to affect 200, you know, small businesses. And, you know, people resonate positive, positively to that. So, and I know that you've been on the job, I guess, about four or five months in this capacity here. Uh, so I'm not going to, you know, hold you to a historical account, but do you use the ability to make connections with the district offices of Congress, because that might be easier for your members to be able to connect with the district offices uh, of the different members of Congress, particularly the House side of things, to be able to get the message out. Absolutely. And, you know, we also, because we're so um, local community focused, we also start building relationships with state representatives that could potentially bloom into, uh, you know, uh, a house member, right? And so when some of our members already have pre-existing relationships with state reps, and then they eventually, you know, decide to run for federal office, that's a relationship that we've, we, you know, we've, we've kind of uh, blossomed, and we've kind of just helped grow. You know, it's interesting, because you're the first guest that I've had on, that's actually talked about the fact that you take a step even to the more local level or this, you know, the, the, the state uh, people that are in state legislatures, because you know that they're tomorrow's leaders anyhow. And, and by, by creating those relationships, you don't have to go in and start anew with a new member of Congress uh, because you've already had those relationships uh, created. That's, that's fabulous. And that's a, that's a great point for everybody here. Do you partner with other organizations to try to achieve these? I mean, do you create coalitions or alliances that you sign on to with other organizations? Absolutely. So as much as I would love to say that we are as, you know, we, our voice is heard as much as possible, a coalition is the best way to get advocacy out, right? So if you can, if you can partner with other associations like ASEMA, the Special Equipment um, Manufacturers Association, or NADA, um, or you know Cox Automotive, or NAAA, and sorry, all these acronyms, but uh, the National Auction Associations. You know, if we're able to be unified and portray a unified voice onto the Hill, that's a thousand more times effective than us me personally, just going up on the Hill and we could have our members come up on the Hill, you know, a hundred days out of 365 days. But at the end of the day, it's how vocal are we? And if we can build coalitions with other like-minded industries or like-minded associations or companies, it's, you know, the sky's the limit. You create a bigger tent that way. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's really important to do. And the more diverse the tent that you can make, uh, the, the more people uh, that can jump on board in, in supporting that because of the diversity of that tent. How do you grow your community of advocates? How do you grow members? I mean, are you doing anything or have there 
been things done in the past to help them become even better, more effective advocates along the way? Yeah, I think that's where you can, um, the whole education side of advocacy comes in. You know, we're, because we're not doing a, a national policy conference this year, which is, you know, our, you know, our gold mem- medal type of event for, for uh, fly-ins, we've set up uh, events called Coffees with Congress, where I reach out to a member, a district member, and um, I say, listen, we have XYZ amount of membership base in your your district and we would like to do an event where you know you speak to our members you know it shows our members that we're having a voice and advocating for them on capitol hill but then it also builds that relationship where they feel like they are being heard and it and again going back to relationships relationships it builds that relationship with that member where it says we we have 200 members in your district you know with votes being with elections being so close these days, 200 votes can sway things. And when you're able to build those relationships, it's, it's great for our members, it's great for the member, and it's great for everybody. And so, you know, that's how we're slowly getting our voice heard is not only educating our members that, you know, we're up on Capitol Hill advocating for them, but then also connecting them to their district representative to bridge the gap. Right. And it breaks down kind of that barrier of fear that, you know, th- th- there are some people that that don't wouldn't feel as comfortable coming to Capitol Hill and walking the halls and meeting in the offices of Capitol Hill. But if you're doing it down the street at a coffee shop, we all know. And, and we've been to our little meeting room that 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 is set up and they come there, then it's a more friendly environment and allows them the opportunity to kind of dip their toe into this much easier and feel how comfortable it is to to be in front of them. And after all, your people know so much more. I mean, I, I say this all the time. You know, members of Congress know about an inch deep, but miles wide about issues. Mm-hmm. And your people know a mile high and maybe an inch deep about their industry. And so they, they're powerful in, in their ability to be able to communicate some more details to members of Congress that didn't understand that in the past. All right. um, and even, and even, um, sorry, sorry. No. Um, and even too, when we have those policy conferences to those members that, you know, maybe can't, you know, afford to come into fly into DC and, and do this, this gives them an opportunity to, to be face to face with those members. And that's the whole point of these coffees of the Congress is to have, you know, those smaller shops, dealers, you know, a seat at the table rather than being on the menu. Yeah. And when you're, and when you're running a small business, a very small business in, in that regard, you going away for a couple of days, uh, you know, can really impact what's going on within, within the business. And, and I know a lot of those people that don't want to leave very often uh, to go do other things. So it does, it makes it, it makes the point of entry for advocacy for them so much easier and so much simple. Simpler. Uh, what comes to mind when I throw out the word advocacy? To you? Um, probably grassroots. Um, and I say that just because, you know, you could have 
somebody who's very skilled federally um, and knows people in, you know, in the House or the Senate, um, but, you know, doesn't have that connection to the boots on the ground. And I think people sometimes overlook the value of people having boots on the ground, where to my earlier point, you're building those relationships with state representatives or community representatives that have or that are aspiring to be something bigger and, you know, are familiar with that small mom and pop shop dealer, I should say. And, you know, they have those relationships with either that, that owner or, you know, maybe our state affiliate members. And, you know, that's a, that's a small marble that can slowly build into a boulder. And that's where a very powerful voice can come in to, to Washington. You know, it makes me think because in the central Pennsylvania area there, up until this term, uh, there had been a name in Congress, both father and son, that were very involved in the transportation uh, side of that. And that was Congressman uh, Bud Schuster originally, and he was a chair of transportation. And then his son, Bill Schuster, was a chair of transportation in the House uh, Transportation Committee. And they were actual auto dealers. And they they had uh, they had an independent auto dealership uh, that that they had you know the family had run for years. So having the, finding out where those connections, who knows who, who knows who, uh, can can make a real big difference when it comes to things like that. You, you mentioned you touched upon it, and when you talked about advocacy and then grassroots and creating those relationships. Uh, how is how it, I mean, we know it's important to create relationships with the elected officials. How important is it to create relationships with staff? With staff? Correct. Staff. I think it's I think it's just as vitally important, if not more, just because, for example, you would have um, and I, I take this into any position and job um, is I want to. I, I want to have a relationship with just about everybody. And granted, I will never have a relationship with everybody. Um, but that's what I strive to have is because so many people move around on, the, on Capitol Hill that, you know, in one office, uh, you know, a staff assistant could, you know, you're, you kind of overlook the staff assistant. But then at the same time, you want to have that relationship with, with the staff assistant and, and have that facial recognition just because he or she could then turn into an LC, she or the, he could then turn into an LA and be on the Hill for 15 or 10 to 15 years. And you've already had, you've already, you know, planted that seed with them just from either going, going to their office so much, saying hi to them. And so, you know, I think having a relationship with staff is, is just as valuable, if not more than having a relationship with a member, because you know, you're going to Capitol Hill and you're lobbying. If you're not having a member, if you're not having a member in the office or in the meeting, you're having an, a meeting with a chief of staff or an LD or an LA who's, you know, out of college or in their twenties. And you're bringing in you know, owners that are 40, 30 to 50 years old. And so if you have those relationships with staff, I, again, I think it's as valuable, if not more than having a relationship with a member. I think you bring up something really vitally important to express here. And you're talking about staff being of young age uh, in the office. They're brilliant young people. I mean, they, 
they know their way around. They're dedicated to what they do. They do an honest, fair job. They're, uh, they're incredibly influential. So do you share then with your members going in that, hey, these people are going to be 23, four, five years old, but please don't disrespect them. Exactly. And I, and I think that's one of the educational points that when we do um, fly-ins and we do meetings with, with staff is to make that point is just because they are 25 or, you know, 20, whatever years or how old they are, they are, to your point, they are brilliant. And they've, if they've been on the Hill for a couple of years, they know what they're talking about. They know the issues. They know the issues that are, that are important to her, him or uh, his or her boss. And if you don't educate your members to know that, um, and you have a member maybe come in, you know, some sort of with an ego, it doesn't help them. It doesn't help you get across your point, right? It's just them thinking that this meeting is pointless um, because they're meeting with a, a young staffer. And that's not always the case because a young staffer could eventually become a chief of staff and you want to have those relationships. Yeah. And, and not only that, preparing them in a way that they're not using analogies that are 30, 40, 50 years old in the room because the staffer is going to cross their eyes and look at them like, you know, I, I had no idea what you're talking about. So as we're talking about staff, we're talking about issues. We're talking about Capitol Hill. In your opinion, uh, and Open organizations and, and their advocates move legislation forward when the majority of the people in the country believe we're polarized and believe that we have a divided Congress and country. I think that goes back to building those coalitions with other uh, associations or industries, right? It, it's, you know, other associations and industries aren't always, always going to line on, on everything. But if you find some sort of common ground and you can go into an office, Democrat or Republican, and show that you are a unified voice um, in the industry, I think that, that carries a lot of water. Uh, and I think that a, a lot of people don't realize that, and I don't know what the percentage is, and, it, and I'm sure it varies constantly, but a high percentage of bills are not really controversial. They're technical fixes of things that are out there. Oh, here's a loophole here. Here's something we didn't know would happen, but now based on a different type of technology, it can happen now. We need to correct this thing. And, uh, and they're not really that difficult, if you will, uh, to advance. And they are very much uh, you know, bipartisan in, in the support that they get. Uh, so as we come to the close of this, Brett, here's the most important question I'm going to ask you in our conversation. Why did you choose to be a Penn State Nittany Lion and, and go to that fine, upstanding Big Ten institution? Because why not? <laughs> it, is, it was the best four years of my life. I will never change. I will never want to change it for anything in this world. The education that I received was phenomenal. The campus is beautiful. Beaver Stadium is 
the loudest in the in the country. And I don't I didn't I did not want to be a Wolverine or a Buckeye. Well, that first of all, we would have ended the uh, interview if you'd have said that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I I think it's really important. You were talking about relationships earlier. And what I have found in, in my few years on this earth is that the relationships that I have and the camaraderie of, of the university, no matter where you go, and it's interesting, the farther away you go from the university, uh, from a physical standpoint, Liv, the more respect the university has worldwide. So uh, glad to call you a fellow Nittany Lion as uh, as we go through that any final thoughts anything you would like to add that we didn't touch upon brett no i i i think we've hit everything um you know hit the nail on the head and i appreciate again the opportunity to be on this podcast roger and i and i thank you for for having me so how can people either reach you or uh niada for more information yeah so our website is niada niada.com and my email is brett at niada.com feel free to reach out with any questions that's wonderful well that's a wrap of today's great conversation with brett scott the new vice president of government affairs at the national independent automobile dealers association thank you brett for being on the show today thank you roger Now it's time for the advocacy engagement tip. Let me begin with a question. Do you ever provide recognition of your grassroots volunteers? Scientifically, there is much evidence of the positive effects behind the recognition and reward people receive for their contributions, both in time and money. This recognition can be as simple as a handwritten thank you or as, a, as elaborate as you can conceive. You can create advocacy ambassador programs and a grassroots advocacy volunteer of the year. Do you have a program in place to recognize and reward your existing grassroots advocates? We are proud to have RAP Index as a sponsor to the show. Let's face it. Today's advocacy arena is just plain noisy. Organizations are stretched. You need every advantage to make sure your issue gets the attention it deserves and your voice heard. The RAP Index is the best way to do just that by finding your stakeholders' relationships and engagement power. Get past the noise. Know who your people know. Go to rapindex.com. That's R-A-P-Index.com and tell them Roger sent you for a special offer. If you like today's podcast, head over to where you find your podcasts and subscribe to the Voices in Advocacy podcast today. A big thank you to today's guest. I appreciate your time and unwavering passion for advocacy. Well, that's it for this episode of Voices in Advocacy. Remember, you have the power to be an effective, influential advocate. Now go out and make it a better world. We hope you enjoyed today's Voices in Advocacy podcast and look forward to you joining us again next week. To learn more about Voices in Advocacy, 
go to our website, voicesinadvocacy.com.